With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, April 18th, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. On location. And I'm, I'm Michael Lagello. <laughs> and I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, we had uh, three games last night. We'll talk about them, but we want to start because Russ is on location at uh, – it's at the Wells – is it at the Wells Fargo uh, – it's at the uh, practice facility in Portland. At the practice facility, um, where the uh, Philadelphia Flyers have announced the hiring officially of Elaine Vino as their next head coach. Um, Russ, uh, what was the atmosphere like, and what did Vino say? I mean, the atmosphere was jovial. Vino really knows how to handle the media. He's one of the best dressed coaches, as you know. So he looked good. He, um, you know, he talked about his mother. He talked about. Because he told his mother he was out of work and he was looking for a job. Like he's, he's a very personable guy and he always has been. And, but he has a fire that burns within him and he really wants to win a Stanley Cup. That's obvious. And so he's going to take on this job he, while he's taking on the Team Canada job. So he's, you know, he's here today and in the month of May, he'll be with Team Canada in Slovakia. Slovakia. Yep. And, you know, I, we just learned that Carter Hart will be there. Sean Couturier will be there. One of the Flyers goalie coaches will be there. So he'll already be getting to know some of his players and maybe scouting others that, you know, are UFAs. Any indications about coaching staff or anything of that nature? They're going to wait because he's, you know, they're going to chat about it now. He'll talk to everybody here and then they'll, um, they'll see what they're going to do. Wait and see approach on that. I don't think we'll hear anything about that until May. Maybe like when he's done with the world championship. So that'll have to wait. But right now they've got a coach. He, um, you know, he's going to employ the same system he always has. Mm -hmm. His big thing is he's an adaptable coach. And if people um, go look and see what I posted up on, on Twitter, you know, he talked about the Canucks. He talked about the Rangers. He thinks it's a combination of both. I think they're closer to what the Canucks were. And, and he talked about how he helped them with growth and development. And during the presser, he basically said, look, there's like three guys that maybe didn't develop with him like they should have. And he didn't name anybody by names, but I'm sure people in Vancouver will figure it out. At the end of the day, he said a lot of them did, and he's right. And so right now, this is a, a good hire for this team. Mm -hmm. Comes at a good time for them because... They need somebody with a real heavy hand winning attitude, and he's got that. Yeah, and the one thing that was, I think, uh, significant when it came to those teams in Vancouver and the team that he had with the Rangers was, uh, I think, solid defensive course. Um, you know, in, uh, in in Vancouver, he had Hamus and he had Adler and, um, you know, they, they were pretty, pretty, pretty decent defensive core that got to the Stanley cup final against the Bruins, you know, Sammy Sallow and a few other guys. And in, uh, in with the Rangers was McDonough and Girardi and that group. 
So now the question is, and we've talked about the Flyers' defense right now. I mean, they've got a lot of good young players, but you know, you said, and I, I believe as well, that they need to add to that defense. They need to get past an Andrew McDonald, who I think is a limited player in the final year of his contract, and you know, bolster their blue line. So I mean, I think that's a task for Chuck Fletcher to uh, to be able to do. There's no doubt. I, I think that that is something they will work on because you know he talked about. The speed and push from the blue line, the entering the zone quickly, playing at pace, taking the play to them, which is everything we've seen, you know, last job with the Rangers, before that with Vancouver. You have to have the personnel for that. And so right now, some of the uh, younger players, maybe like a Scott Lawton, he's not that young anymore, but mm-hmm. going to need to even look at his skating and say, hmm. I got to work on it a little more. Sam Moran's going to have to work on his skating a little more. Like there's going to be some guys on this team that are going to have to do that. Andrew McDonald too, if he's going to want to keep his job. So we'll see who's up for the task and who isn't. But again, I would look at the um, world championships as a fucking, as a potential indicator on who we might be looking at UFA wise. If things work out for him there. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting, and we're not going to see, you know, some of the moves that may happen until probably closer to the NHL draft in Vancouver in late June, and then obviously July first, they, you know, the Flyers made a splash with Van Riemsdyk last year, so yep. we'll see if they they make some sort of move. I, I think they're going to. I mean, I, they're going to make a splash. That's they yeah. want that here from a corporate perspective. So there's there's no doubt they're going to try and make a splash. I, I think the other big thing that Vigneault talked about is. Dave Hextall and Ron Hextall are on, you know, the coaching staff and management staff of, of Hockey Canada, but he said he's not going to talk to, to them about any of the players. He, everybody's got a clean slate. He doesn't want, you know, any previous reports, and, and I respect that. Um, switching to another coaching situation, um, Julian Brisebois, the Tampa Bay Lightning GM, uh, I, I, I'm assuming it was locker clean out for the for the Lightning, which is. Hold on, uh, Anthony's coming, so let's get we'll get his perspective. Okay. Um. Well. Well. While we're waiting for him, let's just let's just touch on uh, Tampa Bay quickly because I, okay. I think, um, uh, Breezebaugh, I'm assuming, like I said, it was locker clean out day, which is you know shocking because still because of the upset, uh, the four game sweep, uh, by Columbus, but Breezebaugh, uh. Uh, handled questions regarding the future of John Cooper and basically said that if Cooper hadn't been re-signed to a contract already, he would be working on that re-signing the contract right now, which is what I basically thought. I, you know, I, there's no doubt Russ that he deserves um, some blame for not having his team prepared, but I I knew that they were not going to fire this guy. Well, I mean, you're right. It still doesn't mean they're making the right decision though. Right. And, and so that's, that's where I think we stand with this. I think at the F, end of the day, Jeff Vinnick is not wanting to eat that money. That's fine. That's right. But if I look at the way John Cooper coached this series, if I look at the way the regular season went compared to the postseason, if I'm going to be the owner and talk to John Cooper and say what's going to change next year, like what is really going to change? I mean, they're going to they're gonna rotate that blue line. Yeah. Now, maybe they're not. You know, that's the other thing. We think they should. Maybe they really won't. Maybe they'll they'll move out one player. Maybe the other players come back cheap. Maybe he goes with the veterans. Maybe, you know, they go with even a a more flawed plan than we think. Like, that's – right now, 
they're in a dangerous spot because right. they're tight to the cap. They've got guys locked in on long-term deals. They're going to have to shed some salary, and they're going to have to figure out how to get further in the playoffs next year with the players they have right. and what didn't work this year. And clearly they don't know yet what didn't work. Well, now, I mean – And that's going to be an issue. Well, I mean, they they have players like Yanni Gord who uh, signed extensions, so his amount will go up. And we've talked about Braden Point and you know how they're going to have to sign him. And I mean, it's not just us that's saying you know guys like Tyler Johnson or Kalorn could be moved out because they have to they have to clear some space. Um, I mean, that could be the change that they're that they that they actually go through because there is going to be a turnover here, and we know that the young kids that they have in Syracuse, some of them might be ready to step up. It's going to be a year of transition with them, but they have the fallback that they have guys like Kucherov and Point and, and a few other guys that uh, – All right, we're going to flip the, flip the switch here. We got Anthony here. Okay. All right. Um, all right, Anthony, we'll go back to Vigno to get your thoughts on uh, what uh, – you know, the hiring and what you think it's going to pretend for the, uh, for the Flyers. It's an interesting balance, I think, in many ways, you know, Elaine was kind of talking a lot about how he sees this situation uh, as a combination of both the Canucks uh, scenario as well as the Rangers scenario. Mm -hmm. He actually a bit more to, to the Rangers scenario, I guess, obviously, maybe because it's more fresh in his mind. Um, but I could definitely see that, although I would probably say, based on the focus on young talent for Philadelphia, that this is probably closer to um, – the Canuck scenario in this circumstance with some veterans that are certainly in place. Um, you kind of have to ring the personality. Is that, is that my first true exposure to Elaine Vigneault in a press conference? He's and a charmer. He, I told you. You have to ring the personality out of your clothes, I think, after the <laughs> um, But it's going to be interesting to see philosophy in terms of how he's going to sort of handle things. Um, I'm curious to see biggest thing is I want to see how sort of the defensemen work under him. Um, I know with the Rangers, the, he wanted the pucks off of sticks pretty quick from the defensemen, whereas I think with Scott Gordon, they were carrying the puck a lot more. So that's going to be a little bit of a philosophy change there. Um, how he's going to sort of work with some of the veterans that are in place is going to be, going to be interesting. The key thing that he kind of got along a lot, and it was a quote that I'm sure is going to be re-mentioned a lot of times is how talent has no age and it's it's a great buzzword and everything but it does kind of open the door for the possibility that there are going to be young players having that opportunity if they're able to grab that right i think with with the flyers going into camp this year and again but again some of that is also just a scenario where we know most of their what they have in place is young players i mean there are a lot of different places as well but the young players as well he has to get them by to buy in very quickly. The only thing I'd add to that is when we're talking about the young players, he is open to having them. Yes. But they have to play perfect mistake free hockey. Right. That's not telling. And you. that's Which, the one based off of the experience that Russ has here with you know in, in terms of Elaine is that Hey Grady, how are you? Said <laughs> Grady walking by. <laughs> Which is not consistent with young players. They usually don't play mistake-free hockey unless your name is Sean. Unless your name is Sean Couturier and you're, you know, you're a defensive whiz at 19 years old. That usually is not the case. Obviously, when he talked, when we were speaking to him about Couturier, it was the fact the first two words out of his mouth was two-way, you know, strong two-way player. Like not the fact that he, you know, scored 
30, you know, as, as multiple 30 career seasons, get yeah, career year offensively, yeah. you know, carried the mail in many ways, you know, during the season. And the first thing out of Elaine, out of Elaine's reaction is strong two-way player. Yeah. Again, he has to get him probably after a year away, has to get to know uh, his players better. He's going to get to know him a little bit, obviously, with Team Canada at junior, at uh, no, World Juniors, at uh, World, World Championships. Championships. So yeah. it's going to be interesting in that respect. He has a lot of young players, especially on that blue line, which, again, makes me believe that when they're going into free agency this summer they're, or, or, or looking for trades, they're going to be looking for a top – they're definitely going to be looking for a top four veteran defense. Now, it, it, what I said, and you can see if you, you believe this, since he is coaching Hockey Canada at the World Championships, if there are UFAs on that team, he's going to look and see who might be a good fit for his team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, right. it's first opportunity. I mean, I'm sure a lot of those players he already has prior experience with, but – you know, you also spoke during the press conference about, you know, his first conversation with Claude Giroux. And at the very end of, the, of it, it is, you know, why don't you come over and play with me on Team Canada? Yeah. So it's like, I'm sure it'll be a similar situation here with some potential uh, unrestricted free agents as well. If there are players. That and and I will say this. He knows the players a lot better than what he was letting on. Yeah. He never wants to let on too much. No, you, you do your home. I mean, I'm sure he did this his homework. Homework. He did homework. And another thing, when we were upstairs with Chuck Fletcher, uh, Chuck basically said this was as much him interviewing me as it was me interviewing him. Yeah, so, he, he was a head coach in that division. Of course he knows the players. Exactly. You know, I, I mean, think the funny thing is, though, and, and this is – I alluded to this before, and Ant will chat about or laugh about it. He really is a big family guy. He will talk about his daughter coming here to shop like she did in New York. He talked about his mother having to tell her he was out of work. Like it's – it really was funny. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the things he kind of gets onto. And again, it's—I think it's something certainly that the team's going to need, especially with the younger players, yeah. to have buy-in. I think that's yeah. it's much going to be extremely important for him because again, you hear certain things whispers here and there about maybe that there was some—you know—some of the younger players might not have been as happy with their situation. Again, they—they they have. He did reiterate during the press conference about the fact of how much the players have to have buy-in in this circumstance. Right. He also has to sell that to them as well. Right. Yeah, so, and and just as important as you know, you know, getting you know, developing and getting youngsters into the lineup, and and we'll move on after this. I have to I have to say one of his pro most important tasks is probably getting the most out of Jakub Voracek as he possibly can because I don't I, to my to my mind Voracek underachieved this year, and when he's your highest paid player, you need him to really produce. And I don't think he did. He did that to my, to my estimation this year. And I think that's going to be an important, if they don't trade him, which is a pot, was always a possibility. It's difficult. I think with the contract as much as anything, sure. I talked about the veteran core. So I think he already knows he's going to be on the He team. knows who's going to be here and he has to get them on board. And I think also Jake kind of towards the latter part of the season sort of took a little more of the, the, the fire and brimstone sort of role from right. Wayne Simmons was traded. Right. So I think, they need – I think Jake may recognize the fact that he has to be maybe a bit more of a bad cop in the locker room to close good cop. Right. And this is a role – and that's something that Elaine is probably going to want to make sure to cultivate. He needs someone that's going to be willing to, you know, push – you know, have the hammer. And, and, and he's very – again, we all know Jake is very, is very, very candid with a lot of his comments, mm -hmm. um, much in the same way that Wayne had been, obviously, mm -hmm. when he was here in Philly, but even more so now that's what's kind of expected of him. So – just think about it. He's the only coach that really knows how to pronounce Claude Giroux's name. None of us know how. He's the only person, and he did it correctly. Claude. He did it correctly. So you got Claude. Yes, Claude. Um, or just, just briefly touching on this, because now with Vino officially named and Todd McClellan was announced yesterday, um, 
we know that Baru, it's more than likely Baruby is going to have the interim tag taken off in St. Louis. There are four openings right now. Uh, Anaheim, which we believe Dallas Eakins is going to be named the head coach in, of the Ducks once uh, his job with San Diego in the Calder Cup playoffs is over with. Uh, the other the other three are Ottawa, Buffalo, and Edmonton. Edmonton seems to be waiting until they find a general manager, which could take a while because rumor is that they want to talk to Kelly McCrimmon and Vegas will not give them permission until after their playoff run is done. That's really the way it's going to yeah. happen. They're going to be the last ones to the table. Right. I mean, Ottawa can name name one tomorrow, and but, but we, we've said before it's probably going to be a young coach or a, or a teaching coach. The Buffalo situation is interesting because they struck out on McClellan. They apparently, you know, there were, it was rumored they were interested in Vigneault. I don't know how far that got, if, if anywhere. And now um, Jason Botterill is the general manager or one of the managers of, the, of uh, Team Canada for the World Championships. If he doesn't name one, name a coach by you know early may then it's probably going to have to wait until after the world championships are over with uh which is at the end of may uh and then you're talking about naming a coach playing right what's that rochester's still playing rochester's still playing but the other the other hold up too yeah the other interesting twist russ and this is what i wanted wanted to bring up the name of rickard gronberg the Swedish national coach has popped up in Buffalo and, you know, lo and behold, Botterill is going to be over in Europe for the world championships. And I'm sure, Gr- I'm sure. Gr- ben Stalino in the, uh, for ships in the world juniors. Well, that was when he was 16 years old, but yes. I, I'm just saying, this, yeah. I'm just bringing it up. No, no, I, I know. And I mean, the thing is, it's like, does Botterill want to sort of go off the board? I mean, is this like the, the Jeff Lagerman pick of the, of, of, of head coaches where like he's going off the board for a year? I mean, you know, I have nothing against a European coach. I mean, you couldn't find anybody else in the universe. You had to bring up Jeff Lagerman. Seriously? <laughs> so I so, want me to bring up Billy Bean. How about that? You know, but no, I'm just saying he's going, he's going, he's going off the board. Sorry about that. But no, I mean, I, I, Chris, it makes more sense that it's Chris Taylor, but there really hasn't been anything that's come out regarding the Sabres since the, since the McClellan rumor, which I, again, I think they got used. I really think that they, you know, according to what Elliot Friedman said last week, McClellan was being lowballed by LA, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, Buffalo came up, and then he gets five. He gets the same contract that Vino got five years at five million per. So well, I have to tell you this: if those things are equal, I would take Vino every day over McClellan for that sure. money. Yeah, sure, I agree. You looked at that when you looked at that that that. As soon as I saw the contract with regards to McClellan, yeah, um, that was that was one of my first in, in, um, gut reactions to it. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the games, and we have to start with you. Guess what one we're starting with? Um, the the uh, the Bruins and Maple Leafs game four, uh, critical game. In, in the series, Leafs were up two to one going in. If they win that game, they have a stranglehold on the series. Uh, lo and behold, the Bruins show up. They, uh, you know, from the very outset, um, they they took control of the game, got up two nothing. Leafs, Leafs come back, tie it two two. Bruins get two goals from Pasternak in the span of a couple minutes in the second period, extend the lead on a Chara goal, and then the Leafs, as they typically did late in the season, would make their furious comeback, and uh, the Bruins get an empty netter uh, from Joachim Nordstrom to win six to four. Russ, 
this was the Leafs of the last two and a half months. Defensive giveaways and Freddie Anderson playing average. And, you know, Rask made the saves when he needed to, but they, but they had but they had no answer, none at all for that top line of Pasternak, but Marchand and, and Bergeron, especially when they put them back. To, they they had started uh, Pasternak on the second line in the first period, and he played like three minutes. And I don't know if that was a message from Cassidy to him, but all of a sudden he put the line back together. He played seven minutes in the second period and scored two goals. They were, you know, the Leafs had a lot of energy, but – they were going in all directions and continued to give away the puck and make stupid plays. I mean, this was an opportunity for them, and they blew it. Yeah, a couple things that I would say is for the Austin Matthews doubters, he had a great game. So yes, he did. You know, so we'll take that off the board. Uh, I felt like early on when Chara smacked Marner in the mouth, yep. that, that was a pretty big sign right there that the Leafs should know what was coming and didn't really – try and skate around Boston at all in the early going. Mm -hmm. so the Leafs tried to come back. They got close. I never really felt like the Leafs were ever going to win that game. And I know you feel like the season's over now. I'm not going to say that. But mm -hmm. I just never felt like they were going to win that game. No, I mean, Anthony, I, 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 you know, in our group chat, I mean, you know, Peter was surprised when the Leafs came back and it was 5-4. And then after the game, I says, they're done. And I, and I believe that because, you know, the Leafs had an opportunity to get up 3-1 in the series. If they got up 3-1, they, they, they could have afforded to go into Boston for game five, sort of loosey-goosey with no pressure on them, with Boston facing, you know, on the brink of elimination. Now the Bruins, for the second time in a row, come back and play the type of game that they played. You know, I'm sure there's going to be pressure on the Bruins in game five. It's a game five with the, the winner going up 3-2. to two. But – the Leafs traditionally have not played well in that building. Game one was an exception to the rule, and I expect the Bruins to come out and do what they did in games two and four because they know what they have to do to beat the Leafs, and I don't know whether the Leafs will respond. They'll have to get a, a ridiculous performance out of Freddie Anderson to have a chance to win that game. I think not to say that the, the, the Toronto is, is, is toast. I, I, I feel like it's kind of holding that I think this is going to go seven. Yeah. Um, um, but in a game seven scenario, I have, it's tough for me necessarily to pick, you know, for Toronto and that's yeah. in, in that. So I think Boston, I can see Boston game five, I can see Toronto backs of the wall, getting, you know, emptying the bucket for game six. Sure. And then seeing what they have left for a potential game seven. I get your angle on this, Mike. It was, if it was the opportunity here for Toronto to really kind of put their stamp on this series last right. night with, I agree. I do agree with you on that front. That was their best chance. But now they have to reset, refocus. Yeah, and we'll see where they go from there. Yeah, I mean they're still in the series, obviously. But what I what I saw last night were the yeah, were, were, right were the were the flaws that we saw throughout the year: bad defensive giveaways. Um, you know, and just you know, bad defensive giveaways by the defense. Uh, an inability to to respond to teams that apply a four check or pressure. I mean, they're they're a very talented offensive team, and they you know they scored four goals against a team that was top five in the league in goals against. So I'm not taking that away from them, but the you know and they at times dominated play. They had 42 shots on goal, but you cannot do what they did in that game, giving up goals like they did, allowing Pasternak and Marchand clear opportunities, and hope to win. 
it's just not conducive to playoff success to do that. I agree. Mike, I'm just letting you know we got a six-minute warning here. On your, on your phone? Okay. Uh, okay. We'll touch We'll touch on the other two games quickly here. Um, the Colorado Avalanche win 3-2 to two in overtime over Calgary. Um, Miko Rantanen scores the overtime goal. Yeah. Russ, Russ, 52 shots on goal, over 50 shots on goal, two games in a row for the Avalanche. I thought the Calgary defense was the, their advantage in this series. Where is it? Yeah, they have – they're having problems. They're having problems with McKinnon. They're having problems with Rantanen. I mean, guys that you would expect. It, it's really an interesting thing. McCarr being added has just now they have two 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 pairings on the power play that are just insane. Two two groupings there that are just in, in, incredible. So, and what McCarr even just does, and, and I don't know how many minutes he played was great. I will say this: we've seen we're seeing the best out of Philip Grubauer right now. Yeah. We in him, but we never saw it consistently enough. He made some saves that really saved that game. And, and Mike Smith was good, considering he got run into. But again, I don't trust Mike Smith to win this series. I don't. And I never did, and I never will. And right now, I do think it's incumbent on... Until he actually wins the series. Well, I don't think he's gonna. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna. Uh, but I, I do think it's incumbent on Goudreau and company to really step it up. Yeah. Look, Giordano had a great game. I mean, yes. he, he was everywhere... But you're right. I think they're they're lacking a little bit. I thought Jankowski had a good game, but just their play is a little spotty. And right now, you know what? I know it's probably not. It's it's a little crazy to say, but I think Colorado's a little faster. Uh, the game the game went into overtime and uh, ten minutes into overtime before Rantanen's goal. Makar played twenty minutes. Tyson Berry played thirty minutes. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, I mean that's that's bizarre. Um, the other game, a romp. By the Dallas Stars, five-one over the Predators. Uh, series now tied two-two. Pekka Rene gets pulled after allowing four goals in the first period. Um, I don't know what these ones. Right, I think it was spectacular. The game I know it's, 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 it's unbelievable. This has been the pe- this is the stamp of Pekka Rene. Right? It is, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean it's it's it to- totally bizarre, and you know we'll talk more about that series because it looks like now you know two two it's going to go at least six, and obviously well obviously it's going to go at least six and probably seven games. Picture, Mike, I like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll go out on a limb and says it was six. All right, uh, just quickly before your guys' phone dies out, uh, three games tonight: Capitals, Hurricanes. Capitals up two to one in Carolina. Svechnikov will not play after getting his clock cleaned by Ovechkin. I don't know if he's playing the rest of the series yeah, he was right. on the ice based on reports we had a he has a cage on but i mean yeah i'm sorry i mean i when i after seeing that i was like just no way this guy's playing the rest yeah no he was he was he was he was he was not cold um the game of the night in my estimation blues jets at the mts center in winnipeg series tied 2-2 no home team has won a game in this series um I think the obviously the pressure is on the Blues after losing the neck the losing two at home and Bennington, who I think you know I don't think was responsible for the losses, but um, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Winnipeg is on a roll now, but it, they can turn the series. Yeah, this is yes. where it could turn. This is because I think if they fall down, I think if they go down, they fall three, down here. They go down three two. I mean, obviously by numbers, but in this case, I think as you indicated, much like the Toronto series, momentum I think is is critical at this point that. If St. Louis can turn the tide here and, and win, then I think there's a good, ch- there's a decent chance when they come back to St. Louis that they can close it out. Yeah. Whereas if Winnipeg does it, and, and I, I think 
I think it goes six. I'm not. I'm, I'm, I, I still think it's going seven. Yeah, I think it's going seven. I had St. I mean, I had St. Louis. I had St. Louis in six. I thought they were rolling pretty good going into the playoffs. In the first two games, I think bore that out. It's just they didn't handle things well at home, and now they have an opportunity to refocus. Yeah, it's up here. to Winnipeg whether it yeah. goes six or seven. Really. Yeah, and the late game, uh, Golden Knights in San Jose against the Sharks. Um, I, Martin Jones is probably going to have a really short ho- short hook here because. Oh, yeah. You know, if he plays well, he'll stay in. If he doesn't play well, you know, they'll get Aaron down there. But if he doesn't play well, their se- their season is probably oh, over. With. Say that. Suspension. Oh, right? just the one. Game. He's the one. That's right. One yeah, Thornton's back. Thornton is back. That could help. Well, this is a game where the Sharks really need to get a lead because Vegas, once they had a lead, they were just piling it on. They just, yeah, they just honestly, they just, it's like a steady drum watching yep. their defense getting worn down. Yep. Stone has just been a stud. Yeah, Stone and Sassany. And, that uh, that line has been unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's not Legion of Doom but it sure is. In this different. era. In this era, it's about as close as it gets. Uh, in terms of just and, and we saw that role. Stone's in the top three in the Selkie. I voted for him as my number one. Yeah. Yeah. And, why? Because he's a complete 200-foot yeah. player, and he's a beast. Yeah, he was not nominated for the Selkie. It must, it must be nice for a team to be able to go out and get a first line in one season. They trade for Pacioretty, they trade for Stone, and they sign Stosny, and there you go. Uh, it's, no, it's right. It, you know, it's not, not in the NHL. We don't no. certainly see that. Yeah. NBA. Yeah. Like the NBA. NBA. You see the Sixers doing it, getting Butler and, and, yeah. and, 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 and Harris, but it's just in the NHL almost never see it. And, I, again, you got to give you know McClellan a lot of credit oh, yeah. for uh, – for being able to assemble this squad. I do have my concerns about them deeper into the postseason with yes. their defense. Uh, the forwards are going to have to really just really, really play as tight as they've done in this series. If they do, then I think there's a chance that Vegas has another deep run in them. Yeah. All right, guys, we'll wind up before your phone dies. Uh, for Anthony Mangione, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey.